All right. Well, yeah, it sounds like everybody has lots of fun uh, stories and, and things. So uh, we're talking about the first part of uh, lecture 15, uh, the role of ministering angels. So yeah, what uh, exciting stories, what uh, things do you want to, to cover from this lecture? Uh, <laughs> I have a sneaking suspicion we <laughs> won't be able to cover it all. <laughs> but yeah um just throwing it out what uh everybody wants to talk about well just in the first part of the lecture it says um Abraham, i realized that our agency is always honored everything works with agency right from the beginning even in the pre-mortal life so much so that even though there are good angels around us we still have to invite their intervention so in my little prayer, I did. I invited them, and we just have to ask, like the scriptures say, ask. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it was um, it's just neat to be studying this. I wish we'd have studied it maybe a long time ago. Mm -hmm. I yeah. feel like acknowledging that there are uh, heavenly beings that are willing and able to help us um, is part of rending the veil of unbelief which um, is thick, very thick. Yep, exactly. Kind of like what we talked about the previous couple um, uh, weeks on, on the lecture uh, 14, that uh, our veil of, of unbelief is very thick, especially with uh, the workings of evil spirits. But I find that it's equally as thick with, with uh, the role of ministering angels, that... I don't know. Sometimes miracles and, and things happen to other people, but not to us and, and not in this part of the restoration for some reason. And so uh, getting that and, and rending it, um, yeah, just believe that it happens because it, it surely does. <laughs> it does. What do you think about, this has been on my mind and I nobody really knows, but um, what about our baby family members that you know, they're born and then they die in like a day or two or a year. There's, a, I have a lot of pioneer babies and mm -hmm. it just struck me. Okay, I have an aunt and an uncle. I have an auntie that's actually younger than me. And I thought, could they be my minister? I don't know. Their names just keep coming to my head. So I've been thinking of their names and I don't know. I kind of think they're part of my ministering angels. But do you know anything about that, Cameron? about well here's what i do know is that um, as i've been chatting with a lot of people family history wise and, and things that's one of the <laughs> the the funnest parts of genealogy work is finding missing children in the tree right and and ones right. that were listed as stillborn or uh, otherwise forgotten in some shape or her way right mm -hmm. and everybody that i've talked to have borne very powerful testimonies to me that they know that those are ministering angels to them. So I, I would assume that um, uh, being uh, blood related, you know, like if you have some of those in your, your line that are, uh, that you're searching for and, and you might know their names, you might not know their names, but uh, I would say that, uh, that yes, uh, that they would be uh, ministering angels to you. They, they came to get a body and, and that's what they, they received. And uh uh, and they're they're exalted already, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. That's yeah. why I was thinking. I'm like, oh my goodness, I've been looking. I do call some of my ancestors by name, 
ones that I'm like, I have a feeling for, but then it just hit me about David and Leslie. And I'm like, oh. and then I started studying all of both sides of my family, how many babies there were, and there's a ton of them. Mm -hmm. yeah. anyway. So I had a question. My dad visited me, my twin sister, and my oldest brother. Now, after he had passed away, is that considered an angel or if they're a family member or, or what? Uh -huh, yeah, I would I would say so. So um, something that is somewhat in this lecture is kind of talking about pre-mortal versus post-mortal and uh, the, the various things there. So yeah, I would say that um, there's lots of different categories of angels, just like there's lots of different categories of uh, evil and unclean spirits kind of a thing. And so uh, my answer to that would, would be in the affirmative. I, I definitely think that he would be a, a ministering angel in, in that capacity as he's visiting uh, his children and maybe helping them or giving uh, answers or various different things. <laughs> but yeah, that's, I don't know what everybody else uh, says or thinks. That's somewhere around... 20 minute 20 yeah. comfort from an ancestors 2015 or something like that yeah um, i'm trying to <laughs> okay so it says so right above 2026 yeah. um right after the page break i think these angels had been sent back by god to assist their loved ones through this difficult time while of their death and of their illness in the hospital. These angels had a recognizable glow about them, which told me instantly that they were good because he saw others that were not so good. And on an errand from God, these good angels were dressed differently. Uh, I know it said somewhere in there that they were ancestors. Mm -hmm. Says they'll come by our faith. We have to have very strong faith. That's at the very beginning where it talks about that. Yeah. And if you continue just uh, two more sentences or whatever, he says he makes a big point that these are usually ancestors. Mm -hmm. okay. Oh, yeah. Right down there. And oh, yeah. Also, to um, also help kind of strengthen that um, comment about them being ancestors. Uh, I listened to a talk by Sister Wendy Nelson, and it was very uh, strengthening on that topic about being able to call upon ministering angels and our ancestors to, uh, particularly to visit other family members who are in need. And on that topic, I have a question, and if it cannot be answered, I'm at peace with that, but this is a group that I would be able to ask it in. And it kind of bridges a little bit from last week to this week's discussion or our last meeting, not last week. Um, if one has someone in their family that they have a sense very strongly that there is a problem with a unclean spirit, perhaps even unembodied one that did not choose and to come to earth um can one even in that circumstance i mean this person is someone it's not hypothetical someone that i pray for 
And I am wondering if I could pray for the ministering of angels in a situation such as that. Does anybody have a thought on that? I do. I have a I have a cousin who he went on a mission and when he came back, he left the church and lived as a a gay guy. He became totally atheist and about seven or eight years ago, he was a really avid rock climber and he died at Zion. He fell off one of those cliffs. His rope wasn't long enough. And so he'd had his name removed and everything and adamantly did not ever want anybody to do anything, but his mom petitioned through the first presidency and it took years to, to get it done, to get his name added back on. <clears throat> and I can tell, like I pray for him a lot. So I, I think I'm one of his people that, that helps him with his repentance of all of that. I don't know, it's just, I don't know for sure, but mm -hmm. I I went in and I was surprised nobody had put any pictures of him up. So I went and put a bunch up and then one of his, I think his mom found out and she took a bunch of them down, but I wanted to make sure he was remembered, you know, and mm -hmm. people could hopefully pray for him because everybody knows the situation. Yeah. And uh, like Flora says in, in the chat here, so her thought is that if you feel inspired to pray for something, then do it. And so in that that case, uh, if it, yeah, like if if the spirit is kind of uh, giving you the idea or a nudge to to do something like that, never uh, <laughs> again, uh, rend our, our veil of unbelief and uh, just ask kind of a thing. Um, they don't so have their body anymore. So we and we do we can do a lot yeah but i would say that the the ministering of angels is is something that is almost like an answer to every question <laughs> so uh if if somebody is is having a hard time on the other side of the veil in spirit prison or, or whatever have you why why wouldn't we ask for it you know like uh it should be the first thing that comes to mind uh uh are, are you hungry? Ministering of angels. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that, that might be a little too I like I like that. Um, I may have um, caused some confusion. The person that I'm speaking about is not on the other side of the veil. They are presently living. And um, even though I don't know any particulars, because I'm somewhat empathic and sensitive, and also close to this person, I sense in a general sense what is going on and why that person does not want to be around me right now. There's things that they want that are hidden. Mm -hmm. And so I'm wondering how to approach a living person within the family that I'm wondering if that is a way that they could be reached mm -hmm. cast out for them like like if you're about to go see them go like on the other side of a wall i'd always go in the bathroom and cast out and then 
I did this at Christmas. I could tell my daughter's new husband was, I don't know, he was possessed that day. I could tell. And so I put on hymns. It was Christmas Eve. I'll never forget this. It worked like that. It, he was, it was just dissipated. It was amazing. So you can somehow play hymns around them. Mm -hmm. I love the power of music. I, yeah. I've heard other people uh, bear such powerful testimony about that. So yeah. I know that there's power in that. And somewhere where I studied this week, I read again about music. I can't remember where. So it's just like, oh, there it is again. Mm -hmm. on music, um, especially if you have someone in your house, you know, just blare it <laughs> play it mm -hmm. so um, one of uh my stories i probably told it a million times in our book club so <laughs> some of you have probably already heard it but um this was uh, quite a while ago before anything book club or isaiah or anything i mean like i was just a fledgling in <laughs> things but i was attending institute classes back then and i remember distinctly our uh, institute uh, teacher teaching us about calling on our ancestors by name, you know, kind of a thing. And I was like, huh, I just kind of put it on a shelf. But uh, there was one night that I was traveling in the middle of a snowstorm and uh, uh, lots of kind of backstory to this. But my grandmother, who was living with us at the time, was going through some of the, the winter blues, a very kind of deep depression kind of thing. And she was staying with uh, one of her daughters uh, outside of our little town here. But I got the distinct impression that night as I was driving that she was being attacked by by evil spirits. And, you know, I had never really done much with casting out or anything. I, I don't know. I just didn't really know too much uh, other than my mission. But um, anyway, and my institute teacher's words came back to my head very uh, strongly. And it's like, okay, so... Uh, I call on so-and-so, uh, one of my ancestors, to go minister to her. And I don't know, I just didn't, I don't know, do you know if it works or what? So I just uh, kind of did on Dash or on Dance or on Prancer or on Vixen. I just started naming off all these ancestors. And um, But then it wasn't until, <laughs> Rudolph, um, it wasn't until the very last that it was like, you're not calling on the right one call on her son that had passed away um uh, many years before he's the one that you need to call on and so as soon as i called on his name he was right there in my passenger seat and said i've got it we'll take care of it and anyway it was just such a powerful experience that that really solidified my testimony in the ministering of angels but in the power of like asking by name and that's why like family history is so important to know the names of these individuals so that we can like call upon them and enlist them in our behalf because they always honor agency and sometimes they're just waiting for us to to say their name uh, everyone has has the right to have their name repeated over and over again, not just for memories, but for ministering assignments. And so that was a very, um, uh, a crucial hinge point in my life when I think that that was like my first, like peek through the veil of unbelief. I'm like, 
oh, <laughs> they do exist. And um, anyway, it, it fundamentally changed the whole trajectory of my life. That one eh, experience that allowed me to think, huh, I'm I'm living very much beneath my privileges here and uh, that we can call on ancestors by name and they're so ready to help us. If we're acting by the spirit and in that flow, well, even if we're in distress and maybe we've gotten ourselves into a, a pickle from sin or transgression or whatever we can still call on them by name kind of thing like it is not uh fully based upon uh, righteousness but anyway I'm, I'm rambling on now but <laughs> that was one thing that that really helped me understand that we have power to call on them by name um to to help other people it's not just always us but to, to help our loved ones or whoever might need it and like tracy says to now i've learned how to cast out for other people and and get through that that process there but anyway i don't know if that helps answer any thank questions. you yeah all of your comments I had, have been helpful i had kind of an interesting experience um my husband's mother passed away in 2001 and we took care of her mother until she passed away just 2004 to 2005 um and she would ask me i of course was the main caregiver and she would ask me oh Lethia, what can i do to help what can I ever do to pay you back? And I just smile, just watch over us, just watch over us. Hmm. Um, and we'd had some experiences, but this one just really stood out to the family. We were living in Mexico city at the time. It was, um, 2007 or maybe it was the spring of 2009. It was the spring of 2009. And we took a trip to Mexico. Uh, we were in Mexico city, but we drove to Palenque and some other places to go sightseeing. Well, the first place we stopped to get gas, a man told us, my husband, oh, your tire is low. And so he filled it up. And the next place we got, he checked the tire and it was low. So we finally get to Palenque and um, it was a good day's drive away. Um, he took the tire in to get fixed and the rim was dented, which meant it was always going to be leaking air, right? There was like a little opening that the air could ooze out of and my husband asked if he could fix it and he goes no this is an american-made car i can only fix you know we had an oldsmobile so he couldn't fix it there was nothing he could do and we drove all over that trip all over mexico and we were with another family and they were going to stay on but we had to get home to go to church on sunday because our son was being ordained and it was like the only sunday in months that we were going to be able to do it. And we got home and um, I was a really study president. My husband was the bishop at the time. And we went out that morning to go to ward council. We got home that night and I went to the grocery store to get food. Our tire was never flat again. We get home and that morning we go to leave for ward council. Our tire was completely flat, like completely flat. And I just looked at Kurt and I was like, grandma firm is here. She was like running with us with her finger in the hole, you know, how much farther, how much farther. And, um, but yeah, those two times, once we found out what was wrong with the tire, there was nothing we could do. And I know we had ministering angels there even long enough for me to go to the grocery store and pick up food because we'd been gone for a week. Did I lay claim to that before she passed away? 
or did she send other people? I've always wondered about that because there's many times I'm like, oh, oh my gosh, someone almost hit me. And I'm like, oh, thank you, Grandma Fern. <laughs> yeah. You know, maybe she's getting a lot more credit. I don't know. But I know <laughs> that I asked her to be our guardian angel before she passed away. The other day when I did pray for Katie, for her, because <clears throat> I know exactly the anatomy of everything that was done. I did pray and I was kind of like, can I do this? But I did pray specifically for ministering angels to go in and correct the places in her heart. I forgot to tell you guys that part. I did I go that. bodily like aorta. <laughs> left ventricle i went specific to the anatomy of her heart yeah. there. she had a double aortic arch so she had two aortas and had to have one removed and hmm. they put in a little staple and they're like this is really rare we don't know if this will work we hope this will work so now she's 30 almost yeah i was like uh-oh things are starting to come undone yeah. I just think we have ministering angels here a lot more than we realize. Mm -hmm. A I lot do. more. I know we do. We, <laughs> yeah, then we give them credit for or recognize. And yeah. anyway. Mm -hmm. I think my thing is, is how does it work? Because, um, you know, they don't have a body. If, if our, our ancestors don't have one. And, and can they put thoughts in your mind? you know the holy ghost can put them in your mind because i thought that many times there have been times my my father was killed in an accident 20 years ago and there have been times i've been driving in the car not even thinking about him and all of a sudden i think i know you're here i feel the presence but then i've wondered and, and i've i've put up pictures of my grandparents and things in my my bedroom because i feel their their presence there but i've wondered how does it work can you talk because i will talk to them i'm probably crazy but i do talk to them and, and and i do ask for them please be with me but i i wonder are you able to put thoughts in my mind of what what to do or or is is that the holy ghost you know it's like it's a puzzle to me i believe that they're there in fact i know that they're there because i had a a very vivid dream once it was uh, at the time of my mission and it was my grandmother my my mother's mother died when my mom was seven so I never met her but it was just as clear as could be and she was there and she said I'm your guardian angel and and I didn't even think I thought do we believe in guardian angels I didn't even know that and so I asked my my uh brother and he says oh yeah we believe in guardian angels and and that that dream all these years um 50 years you know it's um it, it's just as real as can be and so i i know that we have them and i and like i i think i believe she is one of them um but i don't get how it works what how how do they do that how do they minister with are, are they the ones that whisper does do they do they use the holy ghost i don't know how it works well, it says like what 2146, there are also more powerful angels of light who are assigned by Christ to bless us in certain times of need. And then uh, talks about higher ones are sent to minister to you because if you become a terrestrial person, person then you're being ministered to by celestial angels. And if you're a celestial oh, yeah. person, you have terrestrial angels. So 
DNC 76 is where it talks about it. This is at 2146 and a little tiny bit before it where it talks a little bit about that. In Lance Richardson's book, mm -hmm. when his dad was in the Senate meeting and Lance was with his grandfather, his grandfather said, hold on just a minute. And he went and whispered something to Mel about something that he had to catch a flight or something like that. And, and yeah, so he went and reminded his son still living on earth that he had to go do this thing. I thought it was his son that was in the coma, went and reminded his father and whispered. Well, Mel, so Mel Richardson's dad, who has passed away, Mel is Lance's dad. He right. was in, so Lance's dad was in a Senate meeting. And when Lance was with his grandfather during his near death experience, his grandfather okay, well, said, he was in I need coma. To, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. I always thought it was Lance that did it, but it was his grandfather. Okay. And I remember her talking about how she felt that he was there. Lance was there sitting in the car with her. Mm -hmm. And then later he talked about how he had been in, after he came back from that coma that he had been in the car with her and she looked over at him and he described what she had done. So I think they are with us a lot more. Joseph Smith says there's too much work to be done. They don't have time for us, but I don't believe that's true. Isn't that, wasn't that Joseph Smith or Brigham Young said that about Joseph Smith, hmm. but I think we are their work. We have another their question work. about the ministering of angels. Um, if the Lord, I love that quote, by the way, that uh, Tracy quoted from Abraham about how the Lord honors our agency. So if our agency is being honored, how do the angels operate to minister to us? Are there parameters of what they can do or do we have to constantly invite them? That's an excellent question. <laughs> they work They work through the Holy Ghost just like we do. So uh, they're, they're listening and guided by the Holy Ghost in the things that they do. And also, we haven't talked about that it's not just post-mortal uh, uh, people, it's pre-mortal. Like it can be f future grandkids or people that haven't come yet. And just think of the state that they're in. They're just pure. They haven't entered this earthly stuff yet. And so it can be from yeah, pre-mortal. Hmm. And, so, and someone asked about how they can do things because they don't have a body, but I think they use the priesthood. Like they have the ability, like with Grandma Fern, was she really holding her finger? Probably not. It was probably the priesthood to change the elements. But then once we didn't need that anymore, then the tire went flat. Mm -hmm. So uh, along that line, because <clears throat> we've got... Uh a few questions kind of building up here and and it's all like okay so how does this work and and what do we, how do we use it effectively how do we learn and grow in this um uh, i would call it a spiritual gift um but also kind of on on the flip side not to to be like a debbie downer or anything but um so the scriptures uh, repeatedly warn us about uh, familiar spirits and necromancy and, and stuff like that too, right? And so 
where's the line and uh, how how do we start learning how this spiritual gift works and how we can uh, work with the ministering angels uh, for the, the good of people without getting into uh, the Satan's counterfeit. Because, I mean, uh, if the scriptures warn us about it, then then we have to, to make sure to pay attention to it, right? And so, I don't know, uh, just kind of opening up that question there of how how does one learn it? And I think my answer is always coming back to the scriptures, uh, kind of like we were talking before uh, uh, we started recording here, but um, uh, like the Book of Mormon really is like the, <laughs> the, the template for the temple, even though it's not specifically mentioned. And so like, if it's important to the Lord that we use uh, the gift of, of ministering angels and, and all of that, surely it's got to be in all of our scriptures. But unless we unlock it and, and start realizing the, the key words and the different ways to, to look at something. So that would be my like first suggestion. Um, and I'm, I'm saying this to myself is um, maybe pray to know what to look for in the scriptures for the proper training and uh, pray for the gift of discernment, how you can do uh, the correct gift versus Satan's counterfeit and, and all of that. But uh, I, I just had lots of experiences on both sides, but I can't say that I'm like an expert at it either. And so um, I don't know. I think that that's very interesting that um, we're all kind of coming to this uh, same juncture of a question going, okay, but how do we really use it? And so I think that that's the spirit telling us it's time to learn it or else we wouldn't all be here at the same time with the same questions, right? Well, Abraham is reminding us in here that we need to, if we're being visited by uh, an angel and stuff, to test them, you know, have, offer to shake their hand and the ones that won't, they're they're the good guys, unless it's somebody that's you know got a body now. But uh, the others will foolishly um, reach out and try to shake their hand, even though there wouldn't be anything there. Mm -hmm. uh, anyway, if you're in question, you need to to test that because there's so many good people. Uh, seems today they think that they're getting visited by uh, the correct ones and getting these callings and different things and and they get misguided because they haven't tested. Mm -hmm. That's one of the first things that I always ask somebody who has told me that they've had a second comforter experience. And I was like, oh, so you shook hands and uh, you did that and they're like no I didn't need to I, I I knew it was an angel of light and I'm like but you didn't follow the pattern that the Lord gave us <laughs> like mm -hmm. that's just not possible another pattern Cameron that I think of is during this discussion is from our scriptures and it seems like whenever someone does have a glorious visitation they have always sought it it has just you know randomly you know, happened to them. They're always seeking, mm -hmm. for instance, mm -hmm. Nephi wanting to inquire about his father's experiences and with a strong desire and with faith. 
and there's many others that so that seems to be a pattern to pay attention to yeah it, yeah like it's never going to be forced upon us kind of a thing or just sprung out of the blue we're looking for it although sometimes the the angels come when we're least expecting it <laughs> even though we're asking for it and you know that's one of the most common phrases when angels come you're not you know like don't be afraid <laughs> i popped out of the blue for you but <laughs> yeah that's that, that's also a good one <laughs> Oh, but yeah, let's see. Chat. I forgot to look over here. So Flora says that I've learned I can ask my angels for simple things. An example, I can be looking for my keys for ages. But as soon as I say out loud, where are my keys? I find them. I imagine they are just there wondering what I'm up to until I say it out loud. Then they can help. They are probably laughing at me running around in circles. <laughs> I I love that because um, uh, like... I, it was Kathy, right? That was talking about like, can they send me thoughts kind of a thing? So I think that they can whisper to us and, and, and everything, everything is through the Holy ghost. Um, uh, it's his jurisdiction kind of a thing, but yes, I believe that they talk to us and we can talk to them, but just like evil spirits, right? They, they've had a lot of experience. They, they probably know what we're thinking at, at certain points, but the, they're, that's part of agency is having a brain that's that's ours and that uh, we don't allow access to it unless we we give access to. And so I, these these are all my opinions, but um, but just like Flora says, actually saying it out loud and then the angels can <laughs> can respond and, and help and things. Sometimes I, I think we live a little too much in our brains for our ministering angel parts um but sometimes we need to close it in a little bit as well uh to keep evil spirits out and so it's kind of like this weird uh balance how much do i talk to myself and how much do i <laughs> just keep it all in my brain but i don't know it's a very interesting uh point that you bring out there um <clears throat> Yeah, so I have so many questions around this <clears throat> too, but um, I was just going to, what one of the things that just stood out to me was when he quoted it like, oh, 1632, um, or, or in that section. Let's see what scripture is that from. Is it the second? Nephi, sorry, I'm just going to look up the reference. Second Nephi 32. So where, where he says, do you not remember that I said unto you that after you had received the Holy Ghost, you could speak with the tongue of angels? Um, and now how could you speak with the tongue of angels, save it were by the Holy Ghost? Um and and then feasting upon the words of Christ because they tell they will tell you all things that you should do so I'm trying to find um and then the importance of if you don't understand it's because you're not asking anyways um let's see if you will enter in by the way and receive the Holy Ghost, it will show you unto you all things that you should do. Anyways, yeah, so the Holy Ghost. Um, well, just one. Yeah, 
Oh, what is my question? <laughs> it's just, I guess that sometimes I'm like, I, I'm wondering or realizing how much I need to learn about the Holy Ghost and recognizing when the Holy Ghost is speaking to me. But just that scripture of, um, yeah, I mean, it's after you receive the Holy Ghost that you can speak with the tongue of angels. And so what exactly does that mean to you? Like speaking with the tongue of angels? Because I don't think it's, I mean, it doesn't seem that it's just like having angels um, being able to help us or whatever, does it? I mean, because there's, I, I seems like there's plenty of stories and people who don't necessarily appear to have the Holy Ghost that have had some experiences with angels. Yeah, what well, I don't know. Do you have any particular thoughts on what that means to speak with the tongue of angels? Yeah. Um so it seems to me that I mean the thing that's popping in my head right now in in response to that question is speaking with the tongue of angels is knowing the the proper uh, signs and keywords and and things to um to open up the the floodgates of power on our behalf kind of a thing so uh just like we've uh, somewhat mentioned before that they honor agency but we have to know the right things to ask in order to to receive and so uh, speaking with the tongue of angels is is something that we learn in the temple uh, the gift of tongues uh is so multifaceted but in the temple we learn uh many different new paradigms to that gift how to speak with the tongue of angels is learning what's available and and how to to access it through the the gifts and signs and tokens and, and different things that are are given there um because yes we do know that we will use those in an eventuality uh you know to part the veil and come into his presence type of thing but I don't think they're limited to that. And so for me, that's what my brain has uh, tried to wrap around, I guess. And uh, that's my working answer or, or theory kind of a thing is, is that the tongue of angels being taught to us in the temple in, in holy places in order to uh, interact with them as they come as, as true messengers kind of a thing. But I don't know. Uh, anybody else have have thoughts and, and opinions on it? That being said, it's making me think. Um, when you say in the temple, but other places, there have been people in my life when I've had things that have puzzled me or troubled me, and they've they've been talking to me, and the things that have, have affected my me have been like little short one line sen you know a sentence or something that they didn't even know was meaningful and wouldn't seem meaningful but for some reason it, it has been very impactful and it meant so much to me so i wonder if in in my with me is there that sacred space between the the other person and you where those angels give them the thoughts or whatever it is to say that simple thing and then that it's carried that in that sacred space to my heart where 
who would have ever thought that that would have meant something so uh, you know so profoundly to me when it seems like a very simple thing D does that make any sense I don't know yeah. I, I can't give you an example of a of the little things but there have been times I thought who would have thought that that those five words would have changed everything you know right totally I think it's also like when we pray like we pray knowing how the Lord the words the Lord wants us to pray. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like knowing that those words are given to us, which also kind of goes along with what you said, Kathy, that sometimes, is it the angels? Is it the Holy Ghost? Um, is it the angels through the Holy Ghost? But there's been times recently where I have opened my mouth and I have no thought in my head. I don't know what I'm going to say. And the words just come out and they're the perfect words. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that in a way is speaking with the tongue of angels because it's me being led by the Holy Ghost to say what the other person needs to hear. And and actually that makes sense because mm -hmm. our, if we're going to be unified, it's like at the prayer circle. Is that mm -hmm. is that the Holy Ghost? Because we have to be unified. That doesn't mean I have to say the exact same words you do, but it represents, it's, it's symbolic of we are unified. If we are in tune with God, the, the Holy Ghost will, we will all be unified in what we seek and ask for. And, you know, it will be unified. So would it, that would make sense to me that the, the angels through the Holy Ghost, because it's unified. You're not going right. to have different differences on that. You know, you oh, might say I, different words, but yeah, I totally agree with that. And I just realized too, just thinking about it with like tongue of angels, um, just thinking of some of the things that Avraham has taught, like angels is like, um, I can't think which level that is like representing a spiritual level, essentially you know, like, um, Alma's, Alma's prayer of, oh, that I were an angel and could, you know, yeah. so, so not necessarily, I don't, yeah, I don't know why my mind was just going to like, oh, angels, you know, angels have visited us or whatever, but maybe more just like Kathy was saying that representing that level of spiritual ascension where you yeah, you're on the same page as God. You're not speaking amiss, asking amiss, right? Because you are one and connected. So, which comes through the Holy Ghost. So that makes sense. You know, you have that gift of the Holy Ghost. Anyway, so yeah, thanks for reminding me of that, Kathy. Isn't that, isn't that Nephi who gave that, that prayer and then, he was reprimanded and he's like, no, you don't understand. Was it Nephi or was it Alma? It was, wasn't it Alma? And then Maybe he, it was Alma. And then he says, yeah, but why do I, mm -hmm. oh gosh, I should pull that up. It's such a good one. I know it's like there, but it's not. That's why I wasn't even sure. Cause yeah. I know Nephi gives oh, well, we one did, too. We did just read Nephi Psalm, right? And, uh, yeah. and which is, has some beautiful things too, but. Yeah, I think that was the one I was thinking of, but it was Alma that I think that was kind of reprimanded. And he's like, no, you don't understand. I'm not boasting in my own strength. It's oh. not me. 
Yeah, that's another one. A good one. Is that another one? I, that's yeah, I where, yeah, where he meets the sons of Messiah and stuff when they return. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, and they kind of reprimand him for what he says, you know, but he was like, no. And I think that was like what he was trying to say is like, I'm speaking the words that God wants me to say. These are not in my own strengths. It's only because of God that I can do this, only because of power from him. And it's that unity that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. On that, excuse me, on that topic of unity, um, I think we are literally wired to be able to experience um, those spiritual gifts. Um, when uh, several years ago, I was taught um, about something that's so interesting about mothers and their babies. It's called entrainment where when the mother holds the baby and is taking the baby in fully and maybe even mirroring, there's something that happens between that child and its mother, or it could be a grandmother, that is so powerful that it actually is the key to uh, the child's neurological stability moving forward. Their sensory processing is affected. It's just incredibly um, important for a child to have that. Otherwise, it's a huge missing link. And I'm thinking about how important that entrainment or becoming one is. I think it's spiritually healing as well as neurologically and physically healing. I love that. <clears throat> and and uh, <clears throat> you know, look at our heavenly parents. What kind of uh, entrainment uh, would have happened there to to bind us to them and and how we mirror yeah. that here on earth and and things uh, it's gonna occupy my thoughts today <laughs> love that um yeah where else let's see uh, catching up on on chat here sorry um, so how often do we invite the other spirits by what we study and anxiously engage in? I believe that is the real cause of the surge in apostasy that we're seeing. Yeah. Uh, just like if we would kind of take the uh, advice of uh, Elder Uchtdorf, right? Doubt your doubts before you doubt your faith. Sometimes we spend so much time in the muck that we kind of forget that we're in the muck. You know, like, yes, we do need to wrestle with those hard questions, but not to dwell in them and, and let them uh, don't succumb to them kind of a thing. Um, but yeah. Uh, I think it's it. also like looking among uh, beyond the mark, right? Like oh. trying to find things that aren't there and grasping at those. And then if we are trying to find things that aren't there, somebody will give them to us. Yeah. And it's not who we want to give it to us. Yeah. That's perfect. Um, and then uh, Jennifer asks, what is the appropriate balance between praying to Heavenly Father for help and asking our uh, administering angels for help? Do we ever offend God by asking the administering angels? Or do you always do both like it's one and the same? That's an excellent, excellent question, because that's the, the one that I've had most pushback from. So I, I don't necessarily know the the perfect answer for this, but um, being able to to talk directly with the ancestors is what a lot of people have called um, like the uh, 
communicating with familiar spirits or necromancy or whatever but i still but necromancy is to is to foretell the future um i don't know because necromancy like oh i looked it up communicating i looked it up it says the art of revealing future events this is the 18 is it 28 or whatever dictionary Uh art of revealing future events by means of a pretend communication with the dead so if people are saying that you are necromancing, you can say, I absolutely am not. <laughs> it's enchantment and conjuration. So I think of it more like seance and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So if people accuse you of that, you can say, no, I am not doing that. I know for surety that's not what I'm doing. Yeah. And so uh, making sure that we're we're staying in the light and not trying to get our mm-hmm. ancestors to prophesy for us or, <laughs> you know, tell us of, of future things. And uh, anyway, yeah. Um, but... I don't know. I I always try in my own personal uh, experiences to communicate with Heavenly Father and um, say I would like to uh, uh, communicate with with my my grandfather for this certain thing or whatever. It's not like I'm asking permission or or maybe I am. I don't know. But um, uh, making sure never to to not call upon Heavenly Father um mm-hmm. when when dealing with with spirits and stuff and making sure that i'm good with my gift of discernment and make sure that i'm on track before i i ever do um but sometimes it's like in the minute and you just have to kind of go with it you know and heavenly father uh, uh here's where i'm at and uh, <laughs> uh this is what i'm doing kind of a thing uh, just always checking in and never not making sure that he's always part of the equation kind of thing is how I would uh, answer that from my own personal experience but I don't know because yeah, I don't think praying to your ministering angels or your ancestor is the right thing to do that's not what we do we pray to heavenly father through Jesus Christ yeah. and they're the conduits to going to our angels right mm-hmm. but yeah once the the conduit has been opened and and then mm-hmm. being able to have conversations kind of a thing um mm-hmm. yeah I don't know. Yeah, it's always a, a tricky subject, especially with uh, someone who might not believe uh, at, in that at all or whatever. Still a veil of unbelief. It's a, it's a tricky one. <laughs> I've got myself in trouble a few times. But, but yeah. So yeah, those angels that he sends could be just angels here on earth that like it would be in your ward or something, you know. It doesn't always have to be you know, from the other side, it can be angels in, in your midst. Yeah, for sure. I think that that's what's so important to recognize with, with this whole lecture. The role of ministering angels is so varied. I mean, there's there's lots of different kinds of angels and different kinds of missions and different types of ministering. Um, and so being able to to recognize and and not put ourselves into a box saying that this is how ministering angels work and this is the only way they can work um being open to uh, all of the different things around us that, that the lord has provided for our our benefit sometimes don't you guys and get I... in awe of like how difficult this life is and how grateful we are for a he- loving heavenly father who's who's actively just sending things our way like here's a ministering angel here's this here's this gift here's that because man mortality is a a rough roller coaster for us mortals my third son told me recently he's like yeah 
I'm pretty sure I didn't vote for this plan. I'm like, no, you're here. You voted for it. He goes, no, pretty sure I didn't. Like, I didn't think this is what I signed up for. (laughs) But I also wanted to say, um, when you were saying that the role of ministering angel is so wide and varied, it's not just in a box. Isn't that what President Nelson was teaching us when he took away visiting teaching and home teaching and said that now we're all ministers? Like, and he tried to explain that, you know, and give different ways. But how do you, how do you explain the whisperings and promptings of the Holy Ghost? You know, that's, that's what it is, is working in tandem with the Holy Ghost. When we talk about our angels on the other side, so why is that not the same for us? It is. And so that's what he was trying to say without giving us a checklist or a box that humans so desperately want, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, what other parts of uh, this lecture do we hit on? <laughs> We're already at the hour, but. Can I just say on going back to the second, second Nephi 32. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, anyways, verse six. Like when it says, behold, this is the doctrine of Christ, and there will be no more doctrine given until after he shall manifest manifest himself unto you in the flesh. And when he shall manifest, oh my gosh, manifest himself unto you in the flesh, the things which he shall say unto you, you shall observe to do. What verse are you in? That's verse six. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. No worries. But, um. I don't know why I have just read over that before. <laughs> just realizing what that is um, saying, right? Like Christ manifesting himself to us in the flesh. I think I just like, I wonder if my mind is just kind of like, oh yeah, that's like for thinking that was like, okay, well, well, this was to the Nephites. They will get more once christ comes in the flesh but that like is that's talking about us right like we our opportunity for for that uh, manifestation when he manifests manifests himself to us in the flesh is that is that how you read it and then like that's like that personal personal visitation or and um and and then that's yeah and and then you know so we have like we receive the holy ghost and and then the next step would be that second comforter of of having christ manifest to us and then he gives us more right um yeah but go on and read verse seven like that's really interesting i don't have a pull up you should read it oh i do okay i thought you did <laughs> and now i nephi cannot say more the spirit stopped oh, my yeah. utterance and i am left to mourn because of the unbelief and the wickedness and the ignorance and the stiff neckedness of men for they will not search for knowledge nor understand great knowledge when it is given unto them in plainness even as plain as the word can be dang Given yeah. in the temple too. 
and yeah. nobody ever in my family hears it. Yeah. Yeah. I think for so long, I, I never heard it. And it's just all of a sudden it's like, it just really has been jumping out those, these little nuggets. And, and yeah, that's such a, is that amazing? And just how it's followed up with that, Aletha, is so, should yeah, really and I have us asking and, and seeking and just like, wait a minute, why did he stop? What is it? <laughs> well, it's interesting because he goes, I cannot stop. The spirit stoppeth my utterance. And really yeah. what we should be saying is why? I want to know why. But what we usually do is, oh, better not ask. That's a stop yeah, sign. Yeah. Stop means- there. Don't move forward. You don't yeah. need to know. That means it's dangerous. Like we're not supposed mm-hmm. to know the mysteries, right? Mm-hmm. Oh my right. goodness. That's where the Lord will teach us personally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, but then we go to the scripture and say, no, no, no. Nephi, Nephi didn't say that. And that's, that's, and, that's what, and that's what we consider is looking beyond the mark. It's just like. Right. And then Nephi goes on to say, your unbelief, your stiff neckedness, you know, you won't search for knowledge. Like. He's telling you what to do yeah. to find out why he, like what he was stopped and couldn't say and what he's alluding to. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's interesting. Cause like we're, we're, you know, we, in our church, we kind of always joke about like, Oh yeah, I'm, a, you know, I'm probably more like Lemon and Lemuel than Nephi. Um, but really I don't think we realize just how much we are, you know, and, and, and cause it's that it's because of, you know, right again, he's reiterating the unbelief that comes from not asking and which is exactly what he repeatedly was talking about with Laman and Lemuel, you know, he's showing us that, yeah, we are Laman and Lemuel in this story. <laughs> mm-hmm. I've been pondering that lately because I don't know why, but well, I'm in this New Testament class, but that's not why I don't think, but really the only people that Christ ever condemned was the people of the church. That's it. He didn't, he told the woman, um, caught in adultery. I don't condemn you go and sin no more. The only people he called a wicked and vile generation were the people in the church. And so I've been pondering like, how does that relate to us? I'm not saying the church is false. I know the church is true. I know the doctrines of Christ are true. I know this is where we have the priesthood. But how much are we like the Sadducees and the Pharisees and Laman and Lemuel? And Laman and Lemuel were righteous people, but they were trying to hold on to the traditions of their fathers. And so I've just been pondering how much does that relate to us and to me? Am I so busy trying to hold on to the traditions of my fathers that I don't understand what the prophet's telling us and what the scriptures are telling us? And, and, and the Lord says in my house, it will begin. Why? Because we're like the Jews. We're like the Laman and Lemuel. We're like the Sadducees and Pharisees. Of course, you can't go to church and tell everyone that, you know, <laughs> yeah. like we want to, I've yeah. been thinking about this actually just yesterday. So it came up with the new apostle, you know, and he has the David in his name, but I was thinking, well, 
we have the Pharisees and Sadducees. Oh, they have to march up the chair level of who got called first. We kind of go in order unless they die. And right? yet usually the birthright son, even though it was supposed to be the oldest, I wasn't. Know. So I think what, this is just what Tracy Durfee thinks. I think <laughs> it's going to be some chair hopping here. <laughs> and everybody's going to get all ticked off about it. I don't know. <laughs> this is like that popped into my head yesterday. I'm like, yeah. okay, Patrick Kieran is at the bottom of the chair pile. And we're like that day, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. We go in our order. No, we've got to do it this way, blah, blah, blah. But we didn't do it that way with President Nelson, right? Because wasn't Elder Uchtdorf up in the presidency and then he got back? Is that that's, that's That's not unusual. Is that not and unusual? And in fact, in fact, when Reuben J. Clark was called into the first presidency, he was not an apostle. And he was an apostle for several years. Okay. So there have been some things that are kind of different, but, but the presidency just comes from the quorum of the 12. It doesn't have to stay the same people. And he went back to his, he still had his seniority, even though he was in the first part. That's my understanding. Yeah. Well, I don't think they should have their seniority because that's to me is it's like a teacher. Oh, you're just tenured. You're there forever. No matter what, you know? No, if you're a, not a good teacher, you need to, I'm not saying. I think the line of authority family. is just so we know who the next prophet is. It's like a confirmation of who the next prophet is. I know, but that shouldn't, it shouldn't be that way, yeah. should it? I, I think our worlds are going to get rocked. I do too. I do. <laughs> I think, it's I think be like, we're gonna, well, and again, going back to, and again, like, I agree with you. Like, I'm not, yeah, no pointing fingers at anything, anyone particular necessarily, but like, just, I just, again, the, the parallel of us to the, to the Jews at Christ's time, like, and, and then, well, and then even the, the Jews at Lehi's time, even, and like getting kind of more of that backstory. And like, I, I think some of you have listened to or read David Butler, but it was so eye-opening to me. Again. The new David Butler, right? The what? <laughs> the new David Butler. Not the one on um, one. Hear Him. Not Hear Him. What is it? Don't miss the one it. With Emily, not the David Butler with, yeah. Not the one with Emily Bell Freeman. Oh, the no. other Dave. Oh, heavens. I think he's trying to go by Dave Butler rather than David oh, I, Butler. I did it. The no. confusion. I don't. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. I'm not familiar with that one. But um, yeah, but in in just the the looking at the um the wording and the in the what's the word I'm looking for um the the lang specific language used in that in Lehi and Nephi's dream of the great and spacious building and and the people in it you know like it really does point to it representing the temple you know, um, and, and the fine linen or the fine clothing, whatever they would have worn representing like the temple clothing, you know, those are the words that would have been describing these people, which makes total sense for what, when you realize what was happening in Jerusalem at that time, right? It was the, it was the so-called, you know, righteous law of Moses abiding Jews that were 
doing the persecuting, the ones going to the temple, right? And and again, claiming that authority and that righteousness. And so, and so again, just the, why wouldn't, why wouldn't, why shouldn't we consider that we're being shown, you know, that this is applicable to our day again, you know, like we just, as we look at what happened during Christ's time, when, why can't or shouldn't it happen again? Just again, like as we study Isaiah and, 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 and Nephi and like the Book of Mormon that is written for us in our day. It, yeah, it just to me kind of points is, is, is showing something for all of us, you know, I'm not, I'm not, again, not just saying it's like, oh, well, that means that the, the leaders are all unrighteous, but it's just, it's such a, I think an important invitation for everybody who considers themselves to be a follower of Christ to consider. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, any, uh, kind of final thoughts on uh, this lecture, the, the angels and stuff before we close out for the day. I mean, there's there's a ton in there. <laughs> we didn't have time to, to get completely through, but. Um, I have something not about this, so I want to share, mm-hmm. but, um, and I just want some input, but it's not about this. So let's finish this up and then I want to okay. share my thing. I just want to, I just don't want to stop it now. I want to leave that opportunity there. Uh-huh. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, so uh, next week we, let me check my calendar because we do have a couple things. Oh, but they're not on Saturdays. Um, so yes, next week uh, we'll be uh, discussing the second half of the ministering of angels here. Um, but yeah. There's not any final things we can go to Aletheos. So yeah, yeah, go ahead. So I got an invitation from a friend that's an artist to help her. She wants to be the illustrator and she wants me to write about women in the bye guys. Hold on just a minute. Have fun. Bye. Bye. No, he's not. Okay. <laughs> No, dad's not buying a Tesla today. <laughs> okay. They're all going Tesla shopping. I guess Hertz is getting rid of their huge inventory. So anyway. Um, anyway, she asked me to write something about women. She goes, I don't know if it's women in the Bible, women in the Book of Mormon, women in church history. So I was pondering it and I um, decided that I wanted to do women in the Bible and I wanted to do lesser women in the Bible. And so I wrote a list of all these different women that we don't know a whole lot about. So that'll be kind of interesting trying to research it and find. But the first one I knew I wanted to write about was Rahab. And so I want to, I've done some study and research and I wanted to get some thoughts because as we've been studying Isaiah, this kind of rings back to Isaiah. Mm-hmm. Um, so Rahab was the one when Joshua sent um the spies into into the land to see if they could take it over right 
And she was the harlot. She was the prostitute. She took them in. She hid them. The king's servants came and said, um, you know, who are those men? She goes, run, run. They left the city. Maybe you can catch up to them. And then in exchange for that, they told her to put, she asked for protection. And they said to put a red cord, gave her a red cord to put in her window and her and her family, whoever she brought in there would be saved when they destroyed the city. And they were, and she became a progenitor of Christ. So it's interesting. She was a Canaanite too. She, she was, was a Canaanite. Very, she's with the wicked, the ites. Yes. Yes. So as I was studying about her, that whole the first thing that kind of caught my eye, well, I was trying to find out if she really was a prostitute because we know that that was misnomered in the Bible about Mary. But um, some say she was an innkeeper, but more than likely she was a prostitute. Um, anyways, the next thing I thought was the scarlet thread, which rings, just screams to me of the blood of the lamb for the children of Israel, which kind of got me interested in scarlet threads. And it took me to Zara and Perez and Tamar, um, gave birth to twins from this, from Judah, who at the time was her father-in-law and she had to pose as a prostitute. Um, but anyways, Zara put, remember he, Zara put his arm out first. I can't imagine being the mom Had the red scarlet thread tied around his wrist, pulled it back in. And then Perez was born first, but Zara is the line that Christ came through. So that's interesting. And from what I can tell, there's two things. Zara like disappeared from off the face of the earth. Nobody knew what happened to him. The other thing that I've read is that Zara went to France and then Scotland and became uh, intermingled with the royalty. So there's two different versions of what happened to Zara. So then I found Leviticus 14, 49 through 53. There's a ritual cleansing of a leprous house and you take two birds and you have running water. You sacrifice the one bird. You use cedar wood, hyssop, and a scarlet string. It doesn't say string, scarlet. And then you cleanse the house with the blood, the running water, the cedar wood, the hyssop, and the scarlet. And then you let the live bird go free outside the city into an open field as an atonement for the house. And now it will be made clean. So as I was thinking about that, I thought there's something that is all in common with this. And that is that all of these people turned, like the children of Israel turned. Rahab turned to Christ so much so that she then became a forebear of Christ. You can turn in your house and it can turn from, from, um, what's the word? Um, wicked unclean, unclean to clean. You know, you have this leprous house. It goes from, from disease to clean. Mm -hmm. And this blood sacrifice, it all rings back to the blood sacrifice and the scarlet string is a symbol of the atonement of Christ. It's a redemption for the family, the house, renewal, and life after death. And this word turn in Hebrew is the word shub, which the word shub for us has been translated as repent. So we don't, we no longer need a red string. We have repentance. 
but it rained it reminded me of the scripture in third nephi i think it's either 10 or 11 i have it right here third nephi oh nine nine thirteen will you not now return unto me and repent of your sins and be converted that i may heal you so all of these people were healed but here's the kicker about rahab and how it rings goes into isaiah i think rahab is a type of the church always whoring and lusting after other things everybody but the righteous everybody but the true god the spies are a type of christ or the bridegroom who enter in and then she turns and she becomes stalwart and at that point when she takes that scarlet string and hangs it in her window she becomes a davidic servant because she saves her family mm-hmm. and and now she's that savior on mount zion so just wanted to have any input or thoughts like are those like am i going the right way or what do you guys think yeah esther too she was uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i love that lathia you had such good insights um i've also studied recently the scarlet thread and you added you? So yeah you've added so much to that i think um it's also one of the probably day of atonement or something the priest would take two goats and sacrifice one and tie the scarlet thread or strip around the horn of one and let it go out into the thicket or actually it was off of a cliff it was like right yeah and well scapegoat it's a scapegoat but i guess history and part of the changes in the in the Bible writings that it was probably a lamb because goats were never mentioned that the more appropriate would have been the lamb. So there's um, different schools of thought, whether that was really a goat or a lamb or if it changed, you know, through this through the years. Um, but yeah, that scarlet thread to me as a mark um, mm-hmm. that she hung it on her window was symbolized, symbolized the blood of the lamb over the um doors of the israelites right like they're it's always a mark and it's a bright color you know it's unmistakable um mm-hmm. and it was and difficult to get that color exactly. it was very difficult to get that color and so, i think when we take upon ourselves that mark we turn you know that it denotes us as something um set apart or not of this world. Mm-hmm. And then, so, look how Satan. Are we all members of the church? We've all been to the temple. Yeah. So I just wonder if that mark today is not our garments, right? Absolutely. It's a little, a little more hidden. Anyways, go ahead. Um, oh, Tracy. I was, I was just thinking of the counterfeit of Satan is red dye forty. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah yeah it is poison it is um do you see Rahab like isn't that interesting I thought it was super interesting that she was to me like the symbol of the church and yet how fully the church can change and each of us can change to become that Davidic servant Mm -hmm. like we don't have to stay where we're at we have a choice and we can change 
anyway. Also, in your females, the this is um, prophet. I can't think of who. Maybe Samuel. I can't remember for sure. The widow's might. She's unnamed and gives everything. Yeah. Oh, I gotta write her down. And then as we studied um, this week, it reminded me of like we studied in our Come Follow Me, the Arm of the Flesh. Um, it's reminded me how much we're gonna need to turn so much to the Lord and not maybe what our doctor says or you know that kind of thing for healing. This reminded me of my mom's patriarchal blessing of miracles in healing i think that's going to be coming up soon with this new virus they've got coming at us mm -hmm. so i think that i think the women i'm going to pick the topic is women who turn to christ and their lives changed and were blessed like that's just a, think of some a rudimentary way of saying it mm -hmm. but their lives changed like they they had an impact. Like some of the people I have on are the woman at the well. Pua. Pua is named. Who is Pua? She was one of the midwives that helped save. Um, let's see. I want to get it right. Isn't it Moses? Yeah. Uh, well, she helped save. She's one of two midwives who saved the Hebrew boys. Or Hebrew. Yeah. It wasn't just it's Moses. Moses. Sorry. It was. Yeah. Down the river. And also Pharaoh's daughter who saved Moses. Like if it wasn't for her, his sister and his mom, they are named. I don't know. Like I've been trying to look like in the Torah, the Midrash, the um, Quran, because we get so much more. Like I know when we studied Abraham, there was so much more from Judaism than we have. Mm -hmm. So I've been trying to look in other places. Um, I mean, even Tamar, like we think she did an unrighteous thing, but she was calling out on her her husband died by right. She was able to claim the brother who refused her and eventually, and so she claimed her father-in-law, but I had to do that as a prostitute to um, keep the line of Judah going mm -hmm. with Perez and, and Zara. So there's a lot of, I don't know, just women who sacrificed a lot to save others and to save their family. So one thing that I would add to that and like not to to take this out of context or whatever, but like um, all of those things culminate in the red heifer. And so I think that that's like the, the thing that's missing the most from uh, okay. your, your standpoint. From my thoughts. Uh-huh. Because all of them tie into the red heifer. It's the one female sacrifice. And uh, like you said, part of the sacrifice right. is I the the priest had to grab the heifer's head and turn it toward the temple before he cut its throat. Like it has to, there's that turning point. And all of the women in, in the Bible, in the church, they all represent the red heifer. And so if you take a look at the seven points of sacrifice on the red heifer, one of them is uh -huh. the, the scarlet thread is what binds them all together under the Davidic covenant. And so uh, that all of them are a type for the red heifer. And what is missing the most from our scripture, what's been taken out the most, the prophecies of the red heifer. The red heifer mm -hmm. was paramount to Jewish 
observance back in the day, but we it has just been taken out. It's been removed. It's the one mystery that Satan has been very masterful in helping us not understand. It was 2,000 cubits to the, the east, and it is so crucial to the Latter-day prophecy when, again, the church will go through a sacrifice of its seven different uh, points in order to ritually purify, because only through the death of the red heifer, through the sacrifice that the church is willing to make, she has to be willing to die in order to cleanse Mm -hmm. Christ's church she's, and stuff. She's about to die too. She's there's a whole bunch oh. of them. But yeah, just like you said, like you've caught on to a, a major portion of that. The turning, mm -hmm. the turning of the head. Um, but that's a, a crucial aspect of the sacrifice of the red heifer. I don't know a lot about the red heifer, just that it's important that they have one. They've tried to get one before, and at the last minute they found a blemish. So I don't know a lot about the red heifer. So I'm gonna go study that. They have they have I appreciate that. There are three candidates right now, and they're all three. Age. Mm -hmm. Where right. where can we study that more fully, Cameron? Yeah, there's a YouTube. Because you I want to know more about these seven points of sacrifice, and I didn't get everything typed down that you were saying. Um, um, that's gonna take. So you said something about the scarlet thread ties all of them together to the red heifer. That was the thought I got in, but that wasn't what you yeah. said. So anytime that there's a female in the scriptures with a red thread, they all link back to the red heifer. That's the, that's the, <laughs> that's the thread that ties them all together. Okay. <laughs> but it, it's interesting because colors aren't biblical. There's not colors in the, the, the Torah, but scarlet, because scarlet is a, an object. It's not a color. And so it, it's really interesting okay. as we're, we're looking through the, the scarlet thread that, that runs through everything that it always leads to the red heifer. And that's what Satan has been working so hard over millennia to take out because the temple is not where we thought it was. Uh, it's not, you know, the, the temple right. that we know today because Satan has masterfully taken the ash pit that's, that's there on the Mount of, of olives and uh, had us just disregard it. And so once we finally return back to the true principles of the red heifer, will realize we've been doing it wrong all these years. No wonder. And and it has to be the sacrifice of the red heifer. I, I'm i of the opinion that I don't actually think that uh, a physical red heifer is, is going to be paramount into this because it's what the red heifer symbolizes. It's the death of the church. It's the death of, it's a willing sacrifice. And those seven points, there's there's three from the priest and four from the heifer. And when you combine those seven and create a willing sacrifice, a Davidic covenant level sacrifice, that's when everything comes to fruition. That just right. But it has to happen two thousand cubits east of Jerusalem in the ash pit. That's the most important part of the temple. That's what Cain and Abel were were dealing with. Uh, and 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 if you don't do well, Cain, sin lieth at the door. Not inside the temple, but at the door, 2,000 cubits to the east. Uh, that's the, the most important part that we've just totally disregarded for millennia. <laughs> but yeah, um, so to answer your question, where can you study more about it? 
ugh, I am like blanking on all my like references and, and different things or whatever. So let's reconvene on that, that topic uh, next week. Okay. And I'll have, like a list of different things for us to take a look at and study. So, so if scarlet isn't a color, what is it? It's a thing you said. What is scarlet? Yeah, I'll, I'll leave that one to you for word study. Look up, look up scarlet and, and look up the, the traditions. <laughs> in the Mishnah is going to, or sorry, not Mishnah, Midrash. Um, the Midrash, yeah. Midrash, you're going to look at those sources and stuff. Scarlet is a very crucial part, uh, again, that's kind of been hidden. But uh, yes, it produces a color that we have anglicized. Um, but look at the original. Uh, scarlet is is a key piece of things. Yeah, I read where scarlet comes from, and I know it was difficult, but I can't remember what what it came from. If it was a berry or well, what it was, isn't it? Doesn't have to do with that worm that sacrifices herself. Oh yes, that's what it was—the worm. So <laughs> yeah, sacrifices herself for yeah to for that's interesting right there. Yeah, that's and what it is. as he was talking about that. And it, and it ties back to, to Tamar or whatever. And yeah, exactly. And the womb and, and sacrificing and, and all of that. Yeah. My goodness, oh. it does. See, so I just thought this would be a sweet little book. This might be a little deeper than <laughs> my friend is expecting. She doesn't know who she asked and what resources she has in all of you. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It's going to be interesting what you title this after it. <laughs> it's all set yeah. up. Okay, because I just thought it would be kind of light reading for women. And that was why I chose the Bible. I'm like, I want it to have a more open population, a greater population. Go ahead, um, Chalice. So my brain is exploding right now. Um, I've been reading and learning about women and Mother God and everything. And it's just so happy. It's so good. And it's going to come out. It's going to, it's going to be new doctrine, probably definitely in Zion, hopefully before then. But um, women have also been veiled and hidden and erased and mother God. And, and if she, if the heifer, I forget, I didn't, I don't know cows. I didn't know she was a girl. <laughs> I didn't know that. I didn't know that before I did all this. Oh, come so on. That just, it's so exciting to me. Yeah. And it, there's so much about women and history has all been written about men. And I used to laugh and just poo poo the women's studies in colleges. I just think that's so insanely stupid. And now I'm like, holy cow, there's a whole half of history. None of us know. Really? Holy cow. Except and I don't know the direction they take those women's studies in. So I kind of am a little sus of that. <laughs> well, exactly. I mean, it's, it's the, you know, it's the secular, yeah. but. It's the same in scripture. I have been asking myself as I've learned Isaiah, where is the women's exemplary pattern of ascension? We have clearly the man's pattern. We see all of the prophets all the way through their pattern. And I know people can say, well, it's the same for women. Just do what they do. But I think as a woman, I long to see a woman character do these things. And I think, okay, well, it has to be the prophet's wives because they wouldn't reach those levels without their wives. It's, there's a union there that has to be sealed. And so I'm like, okay, well, what, explain to me, is it just the very fact that we give birth? Is it, or, I don't even know. Like, I want to know 
the role model, like give me somebody to look at. And I, I know I we can like say, was, I think it had to be secret because of the end times. Right. And what, we had to I've, just go through all this persecution of everything and take it. And well, and that's really part company. of our descent, you know, right. our, our collective descent was to come down to earth and be subject to the stronger, more powerful, physically powerful man. I don't mean to make this into a man woman thing because I'm, I love, I adore men. I'm in but awe this is of the what thing. they when can we do. Studied when we studied Abraham, I felt like we learned so much about Abraham. Um, no, we learned about his wife. Yeah. About Sarah, because it doesn't come from biblical sources. No. And um, it was, was it from the Quran? It was from Islamic tradition. So I'm guessing the Quran that he used yeah. and ancient Hebrew traditions. And I thought that, wow, she was an example of what women need to do. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know if um, Tracy, you were there deeper into other, other resources because I just feel like that we've been written out or covered over or just mm -hmm. slightly mentioned. And I love Alethea that you're doing that. I love it. Yeah. Oh, I'm excited about it. Like I have been driven to do this. Like I'm so excited. I think only Darlene and Tracy, were you doing that Abraham study with us? I actually didn't do it. I wasn't in the okay. group, but I did do it later by myself. And mm -hmm. I read that over and over and over. I actually listened what, to it. Cameron what was the book I studied? I can't remember the name. The blessings uh, of Abraham. Blessings of Abraham. And oh, he, you know, I have that book. I have it, yeah, and I, really, it's in my stack. That's so big you can't that's see the my one hands. I've been talking about. So if you go to Learning Zion, okay, and go to that class, Cameron actually. Um, oh, there's Stephen. Got it. That was what started us all Stephen together. Audible um, on it. So Stephen, that, okay, because there Stephen, isn't an audible on it. Awesome. And I'm reading it now. <laughs> we do you might like come it, full circle and, and do a book club on that one next again. Oh, I would <laughs> do it. I listen to that all the time because the things you learn, like Abraham and Soraya, they could have been translated, I believe. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, they had to. She, to have a baby at that age? Oh, my gosh. Something no, they had, had to, to go through and bring the seed through. They had to have all those like there were 190 years of faith waiting for their child. Yeah. Or you can be translated or you can wait and have the blessings of Abraham. Mm -hmm. So, so I just good. want to share, somebody brought up, oh, was that you, Amy? I think about Dave Butler. I've had this thought about Heavenly Mother, that she's there. That's fun. And she's taken out. Yep. And um, I have felt like, because there's two things. Asherah is heavenly mother. Asherah is a pagan goddess that everybody worship. The scriptures say, take the trees out of your house. There's one person on Facebook that's like, no Christmas, no trees. This, the Bible says no trees. But then we also learn that heavenly mother is represented by trees and pillars. And I have kind of wondered in my own thoughts, if she really is Asherah, and she is a tree and she is pillars. And then the people made 
made her, they worshiped her in the wrong ways. And that's why she was taken out. And then Absolutely. Dave Butler came out. It's cosmic. Yeah, Dave, it Dave Butler Absolutely. came out and said that that's what happened, that she is the same person. But really, what were the motivations? Was it Hezekiah that took her out and someone else? And what were their Sorry. their motivations? Well, and, and and that she was just demonized. And so isn't that interesting? And so anyway, it kind of goes along with what yeah. we're talking about. She was demonized yeah. right from Adam and Eve when everybody just blamed Eve for everything. But I mm -hmm. think Eve was in the garden a long, long, long time planning what to do before you know, beforehand, we don't know how long she was in the garden. So there was one time I looked up the really? meaning of beguiled. I I don't know where I found this definition. I haven't been able to find it since. But the the definition I found said to cause to think deeply. Um. And that when, when, so then that changes the whole story that when the serpent came and, or Satan came and talked to her and promised her these things it caused her to think deeply oh wait how's this gonna happen how's that gonna happen what is it i need to do what's my role like i said i haven't i found the definition i shared it with my sister she saw it i have not been able to find that now it all i can find is to be deceived but i think that she was thinking very deeply well she was because Okay, think of in the temple. Maria and I had this experience when we were in the Portland Temple last, was it August? I don't know, somewhere. And I can remember Adam goes to sleep and then when he wakes up, Eve and Heavenly Father are standing there. They were like, I like to think they were chit-chatting about, okay, here's what you're going to do. Do you remember that, Maria? <laughs> yeah. yeah I, like, I think, <laughs> like, and what? I don't know when Eve, but I don't really know when Eve got demonized. I don't think she was demonized right away. I think that came in time. Well, I think she was because if you read, well, I don't know, maybe it was in, I can't remember which book, but I can remember they would always blame everything on the women. Oh, it's okay if you go get. But was that changed? Was that changed? And they went back and said, it's all. That's what I'm saying. I don't know how much of that was changed. From the beginning. Well, she would have lived a very, very long life, just like Adam. So all of her yeah. posterity wouldn't have demonized her. It would have been after she right. was gone and power struggles and all of that. Mm -hmm. um, I've been listening to. Oh, I know. There's a video on quick media. Of a BYU professor, and he talks about the tree being Asherah. Yes, I've thought that for a long time. That um, the king that cleaned everything up was it Jeremiah Josiah? That he really was wicked. That he just wanted to consolidate mm -hmm. power, and the winners always write history. So the history says he was a very righteous king, and that blew my mind. I'm like, I just take everything for face value and. It made me think, you know, these people were worshiping in their homes as probably everyone had done for millennia. And he wanted to consolidate it all into one place, one power, one room, you know, and cleaned out I, all, all of the women. I think about all the places we have trees, like 
in a, I haven't been to all the temples and I can't speak for every temple, but a lot of temples I've been in, the stained glass are types of trees. Mm-hmm. And um, there's always plants, a flower in the, in the center. But also think about Joseph Smith. He went to a grove of trees to pray. Yep. And Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ appeared in a pillar of light. Yep. When you go and start searching, like all these things I learned several years ago before I heard these people. And when I heard them, I was like, oh, I feel validated. Sense. I've heard this is what I thought. So go mm-hmm. back and start looking at trees and look at, and when you want to find her in the scriptures, look, um, look for wisdom because wisdom is her name and you will find her. And I think we've talked about this in another meeting, but you find her in um, Proverbs three. And I found it by accident. I was sharing the scripture um, in Proverbs three. Shoot. What is that scripture? Cause I always get it confused with lean not to thy own understanding. And that's in Isaiah. The Proverbs, I'm just going to pull it up real fast. It's one of my favorite scriptures. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to thine own understanding. Oh yeah, that was it. In all thy ways acknowledge him. So I was going to share this with someone and then I just scrolled and stopped. And I stopped on Verse 11, my son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. Okay, let's see. No, 13. Happy is the man that findeth wisdom and the man that getteth understanding. And I'm always like, what? Who is he talking about? This is all heavenly mother. And in fact, when you read this, it tells you her personality. And I was just like, oh my gosh. And this was like four or five years ago. Um. Her ways are ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. In verse 17, she is a tree of life to them that lay hold upon her and happy is everyone that retaineth her. The Lord by wisdom hath founded the earth and by understanding. And so I don't know what understanding is, but I wonder if understanding is the, is the male. So by wisdom, he founded the earth and by understanding he, this, he's established the heavens. Let not thy eyes depart from her. Let, let them not my son, let not them depart from thine eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. It goes on to talk about, I think in, in the next chapter, that she will, okay, five, get wisdom, get understanding, forget it not, neither decline the words from thy youth. Bernaker, forsake her not, and she shall preserve thee. Love her, and she shall keep thee. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get understanding. Exalt her, and she shall promote thee. She shall bring thee to honor, and when thou dost embrace her. So that part right there, remember in ancient traditions, the woman always presents and testifies of the child to the king because she knows who the father is. And right here, I'm wondering, is she the one that testifies of us? She shall bring thee to honor and and when thou dost embrace her. I mean, we have temple imagery there. But exalt her and she shall promote thee. She's the one that testifies of us. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's been my wonderings. I haven't shared that with anyone. I don't know if other people have talked about it. Um, That's an interesting those- thing. I. I think of that and I look at my kids and I think 
my perception of them is so different than everybody else's. Like I know them and see them so deeply for who they are mm -hmm. in this emotional level. So that, that, that rings true for me and my But bring mentality. this to the bring this to the proclamation on a family. What's the mother's role? And why would it be any different for Heavenly Mother? And I have thoughts that Heavenly Mother is the one here keeping the house fires burning and caring for her children while Heavenly Father's out administering and doing doing the administration of the worlds and the things that need to be done, his priesthood responsibilities. And she's the one here taking care of us and keeping the house fires burning. I'm just, I don't know. These are kind of out there, but they're thoughts I have about Heavenly Mother. Uh, something Mike Stroud podcast I listened to the other day said that um, Heavenly Father's and his son's role is to organize and create order out of chaos. And Heavenly Mother's role is to, you know, the breath of life to um, bring awareness to the child that it is who it is. And there was one more thing. Oh, beauty, beauty and um, to beautify things. And that just totally made my heart sing. Mm. But there- I know I've listened to Mike Stroud. So I've heard that it's been years and years ago. But then think about the roles of mother. I'm just mm -hmm. gonna leave this here. The role of a mother is to comfort and to nurture. And that's all I'm going to say. Mm -hmm. Are you thinking holy? <laughs> I'm just saying. And who better to testify of the father and the son? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've been there and, and left that and been there and left that many times mm -hmm. over. It just, it should be. That's all I can say. I don't know if it's true or not. I just know that a mother's role I, is to I comfort and to nurture. And it just always says, because I, I actually looked it up at one point. I know. Yeah. I know what Joseph Smith says. I think we have so much coming forward and it's exciting. Yeah. But just going off of like, it, it has been sadly um, intentionally removed and um, I mean, going back to what you were saying about Josiah, um, Shalise, that is, I think it's so important to understand what was happening at that time, because that is the time right before Lehi and Nephi, you know, and then they have their vision of the tree of life, you know, so that is when she was removed yeah. and these, these changes happen and, um, and Laman and Lemuel, like you said, they were righteous. Yeah. Because exactly. they were keeping the current yep. political, they were checking the boxes, church yep. laws, right? Yep. They were, they were righteous in jo Josiah's kingdom. Exactly, and so I think it's also important to realize too. This was interesting that David Butler pointed out that, you know, the other time when the Asherah was removed from the temple was at Hezekiah's time. And he, he expounded on, um, I believe it's this verse in Isaiah 5, 18 through 20, when he says, Woe unto them that draw iniquity with the cords of vanity and sin, as it were, with a cart rope that say, let, let him make speed and hasten his work that we may see it and let the counsel of the Holy One of Israel draw nigh and come that we may know it. 
And he goes into this thing that was just so mind-blowing. Um, and I can't remember the specifics. You'll have to either look up the things that he shared on some of these podcasts or um, his book. But um, he talks about, I can't remember why, but the specific language of that, when he says like cart ropes, he he's... And, and this isn't just hard, like, oh, this is absolutely what it means, but he just, it's such a interesting thing to consider, but he says how it shows why it might actually have represented at that time them dragging the Asherah from the temple. That was the ropes or that what they had drug out. And then he says that the language in um, that we may know it is actually the same language that was used from the the men that surrounded Lot's house to say, you know, bring out these men that we may know them. So in a sense saying, and he's saying that it was this just defiling of the Ashra, bring it out that we may essentially forcing themselves to know in a, in a, biblical sense biblical well yeah and just a yeah a, a very forceful um way you know he says almost you know just that that you know imagery of raping you know it's you know something so holy and pure being drug out that they may know it so it was really sure. profound to consider so he was you know saying like you know isaiah as he saw this was lamenting what they were doing with with that but. so it's interesting because i looked up isaiah 5 you said 520 18 uh, i think it's 18 is where it it talks about like the cart rope 18 through 18 through woe unto them that draw iniquity cords of vanity and sin as it were yeah. with a cart rope yep that's yeah. it i thought you said 20 so i looked it up and but 20 is Woe unto them that call evil good and good yeah. evil, that put darkness before light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Yeah. And that was, I was like, they're just swapping and turning everything on their head. Exactly. On its head. exactly. And that's what, and well, and the light represent mm -hmm. the menorah was representing the tree mm -hmm. and, and that was the light, you know, they're putting darkness for light, light for darkness. Yeah. And um, anyways, and then, and then he also just had some interesting about just bitter waters and, mm -hmm. you know, it just so much cool, amazing stuff coming forward. Mm -hmm. Can't wait for more. <laughs> I think also the, the cut that Laman and Lemuel kept calling who, their father and brother visionary men. Yeah. That was also from Josiah. He said, don't listen to anyone that, um, that has visions or whatever like he well, shut all that down and we see that today too you know people are called crazy or whatever if they conspiracy theorists yeah there you go so yeah they were told not to listen to visionary man and here their dad has a vision and wants to share it and so the, immediately their trigger is oh you're you're crazy well not only just yeah. Josiah I mean yeah it was that if you read Deuteronomy 13 from one to however many it's I mean it's it, you're like, well, no wonder they were trying to kill Lehi and Nephi. You know, it's yeah. mm -hmm. if there arise a prophet 
among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams and give us the a sign or wonder and anyways they use the language of you know seeing visions and stuff like and and if thy brother or thy son of thy mother and i mean they carry on like your family if they if they or is this deuteronomy one deuteronomy 13 and just start with one and then um you know because they had they had just made it just such a that monotheistic you know one god and so and then and so not only did they kind of erase well they did erase mother god but they also erased christ from from their belief and their text and so when lehi and nephi keep testifying of christ this other god that that again they had the the responsibility to kill them like that's exactly what they were told to do in deuteronomy so and yeah that language of visions and dreams a dreamer of dreams and yep yeah and they knew what a tree represented so they were also talking about what they had removed so yeah oh my gosh there's so much good things to learn i don't have enough time in the day (laughs) also don't forget our hebrew with the word elohim the i am that's yep plural right there plural that's what i always say so have you guys read this book i I think (laughs) yeah i think i ordered it on kindle and i haven't had a chance to read it because i've been working on rahab it's super yeah. easy reading, like the print. I don't even need glasses for the print, <laughs> but it literally goes through the entire temple and shows you everywhere in the scriptures that it's temple imagery. And it's just opening my mind, like so incredible. Like the the Sermon on the Mount is a temple. Uh, anyway, See, for years, I have, I have felt like the Sermon on the Mount is... Um, like, like Isaiah's ladder or Jacob's ladder, you know? And so when I saw his, I was like, oh, so that was interesting that it's all temple imagery. And I guess it is kind of a ladder of how to get there. And my whole life I've, I've wondered where, where is the temple in the church or the scriptures or, and now I'm like, holy cow, where isn't it? Like literally I'm reading along and I'm like, there it is. There it is. You flew up to a high mountain. You're there. Oh, you know, and when you read the scriptures fast, you learn so much more in a different way. You don't do a yeah. deep dive, but in this New Testament class, I'm astounded how often Christ is on a mountain. He goes there all the time, mm-hmm. all the time. He's in the mountain and the people come and they, one time they go rushing after him. Like he can't ever get away. And then I kind of, I read this early on, um, but it was one time he'd gone up to the Mount and the apostles finally came with the people that were with them. And they said, Lord, where have you been? All men seek after thee. And I thought, I love that. That's going to be my motto this year. Like I want to be one of them that seek after thee, like all men seek after thee. So anyway, Mm -hmm. love it. Yeah. Well, I didn't mean to hijack everything, but thank you for your insights. I'm going to go study more about the red heifer because I kind of follow it, but I don't know a lot about it. And I know that it's important, but I don't know um, where it fits in. I think Jenny Reader has a lot of women's studies. Um, I was introduced to her through uh, Tammy Uzalak Hall's podcast. 
She has her on all the time. She did the most cool podcast. It was the Easter, I think, of 2020, and it's on that website. The full podcast is on there, and it was about all of the Marys, and I would highly, I have really good notes on it about all of the women there at the Christmas. What's the podcast name? Pardon me? What's the podcast name? It's um, Tammy Uzlek, Sunday on Monday. Thank you, Cameron. I listen to it here and there. Sometimes I get on it and I, I go in and out of it. But that podcast, it was 2020. It was Easter 2020. I'll never forget it. And the authors, I actually got all those books. It was Jenny Reader. There was one other one. I can't remember right off the top of my head right now, but mostly women of the Bible and the New Testament. And I think even the Book of Mormon is in her. She has Jenny Reader on all the time. She has all of them on all the time. Don Perry, Barbara Gardner. Doesn't have Cameron on yet. <laughs> Cameron, how did your conference go? I heard Alethea gave a really good presentation. Yes, Alethea was the bomb diggity. <laughs> well, I had, actually, I added more stuff after I presented to you guys that were really cool. Awesome. We got to hear it first, Cameron. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I practiced. <laughs> yeah, that was so fun. So just before, because I, as everybody's chatting, I couldn't get a word in edgewise, but the three quick things. <laughs> <laughs> in there um so you said like wisdom understanding the understanding uh that will come as you study like the sephirot the the kabbalistic tree of life uh, uh wisdom and understanding are, are very much counterparts there um that's why i wondered if it was male and female uh-huh yeah well yeah, understanding it... is actually the when male and female when wisdom and bina combined it creates understanding it, it's the marriage of the two Okay, um, what's the other one? Vina, you called it? Bina. Bina. Bina, yep. So yeah, study the, the Sephirot and uh, it'll give you all of that stuff. Uh, help mm -hmm. unlock like Solomon and all of his works. Um, and then uh, study the original name of Eve because Eve is just the unfortunate Christian name for her. Um, which I've heard that name recently and I can't remember what it is. Uh -huh. I didn't Hava. write it down. What is it? Oh Hava. yeah. Hava. Hava. Yeah. Study the Gematria, study the uh, Midrash uh, things about Hava and it'll unlock everything for you because uh, again, uh, it's just a unfortunate kind of thing that comes later with, you know, council of Laodosia and uh, Nicaea and everything that they change her name in order to, unjudaize her um but mm -hmm. anyway her original name is yeah i'll, I'll leave it there <laughs> <laughs> I, unlock a lot. with another class uh -huh. <laughs> yep. yeah. we're I gonna start a women's studies class <laughs> <laughs> exactly so but, come on darlene let's do it <laughs> but it always points to the red heifer the the three points so there's hava there's Sarah or Sarai, and there's the red heifer. Those are the three points. Um, 
And then uh, another thing is talking about the rod. So what is a rod? It is made from a tree. Uh, and uh, every time that you're seeing a rod in scripture, it's usually because it's blossoming when it shouldn't. Um, it's an untimely blossom or uh, blossoming early or, you know, it should be dead, but it's blossoming again, reminiscent of Sarah and her womb reopening uh, for Eve. She had to partake of fruit in order to, to get the womb to open that there's a whole bunch of stuff surrounding rods. Rods are a crucial mm -hmm. part of understanding mother wisdom throughout all scripture. And if you look at our signs that we receive in in holy places there's there's mm -hmm. the rod and the scepter right there's a rod there and, is. Scepter, and you have to have both you can't have one without the other and so uh pay attention to the rod and what's in the ark of the covenant the aaron's rod that blossomed what's the gift of working with the rod that oliver cowdery has given it's divining it's the the uh, divination uh, and being able to understand the will of the Lord, you have to go through the rod. Um, anyway, very interesting things, but make sure that that rod is a, a core part of your women's studies <laughs> as you go through, because it's often forgotten. Okay, I have something else wait, to say. Hold on, wait, wait, wait. Darlene had something. Well, okay, <laughs> I had something to say about twenty-five minutes ago. And so <laughs> it's probably not gonna. <laughs> I couldn't get it. Share it. Share there, it. For your, I can't remember <laughs> what the point is, but I remember what I was going to tell you is you need to study. Talk about Um, Huh? Nothing. Keep going. Uh, you need to study about why we're not veiled at the temple anymore. Oh, I know. And um, and the probably the well, best I, way to study learned... to ask Heavenly Father. That's what I did okay. as I was going through the temple one time and I, and you know, and I got my answers that way, but. I felt like I got my answer when I studied traditional Jewish marriage. Mm -hmm. Is that the right path? Uh -huh. Okay. Yeah. That's when I got it. Um, I was going to ask you, Cameron, where a good resource to get the midrashes? Because I haven't really found one yet. Um, if you let's see, what is that website called? Sephira or something? Safaria. Let me paste that in here. This is the go-to. Every Jew knows, and this is like their gospel library, <laughs> but uh, uh, very excellent, uh, put together very nicely. So, but Safaria. So you Thank get you. Uh, Tanakh, Mishnah, Talmud, Midrash, Halakha, okay, Kabbalah, good. just mm. everything. That's what I wanted to know because I hadn't really found one yet. I've done a lot of research and my thoughts about Rahab, I have not really read anywhere. So that's why I was like, oh, am yeah. I just like way off the beaten path? But I don't think I am. I think like these are things that... I haven't studied them. They're given to me. Like I've learned them through the spirit. So, mm -hmm. so cool. Yeah. I love yeah. how that was just confirmed. That's so cool. God loves effort. He rewards yep. effort. That's right. Yeah. Well, I was excited to share with you guys today. I had a little surgery on Thursday and I'm still kind of mm -hmm. swollen. You look beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> but I was like, I'm not missing today. I'm not missing today because I just really wanted to share this with you guys because I was just so excited. Actually reached out to the lady that's doing the paintings and I was like, oh my gosh, I think I got something. And it was before I got the turning. It was just that she's the type of, of the church and the type of Christ. And she just wrote back, that's amazing. And I was like, wait, what? And then I told you guys, I was in this women's group with two of the ladies from The Chosen. One is the executive, the owner of Angel Studios. And anyways, and a, and a friend, one of them's my friend. And so there's four of us. And I sent it out to them. And I go, what do you guys think? And they're like, yeah, that's way above my head. But it sounds great to me. And I'm excited to read what you have to write. And I'm like, dang it. I got to wait until I couldn't tell you guys last Saturday. So I was like, I have to wait till this Saturday to tell you <laughs> and, and just kind of get some inputs. So anyway, and yeah, find out if there's more I need to like, I know there's more, but what am I missing? So hmm. always get to know where your resources are. Yeah. I'm excited about the red heifer now. Where are some good places to study about the red heifer in the link that you put on? Yeah, you could study it in there. Um, I but y'all institute all the time, little things. Yeah, I just see something. updates there, but not like the importance yeah, of the red heifer. Oh, the back, the back story. Yeah. Yeah. Said he'll he'll put a list for us together. A list okay, yeah, I'll do that this week. And, and, uh, uh, okay. Yeah. So, okay. Well, I don't want to keep you guys longer. I kind of hijacked this end, but anyway, <laughs> it's always a good hijack. <laughs> lots of interesting and things that we talked about so and I kind of like became very vulnerable sharing some of my inner thoughts that I don't really share with people a lot of times so that's why I love this group <laughs> yeah well, thank yeah. you so much everybody really yeah mm -hmm. yeah no it was awesome and I want Kathy to come and do my bed too make up my bed no. yeah no <laughs> multitasking really well <laughs> oh yeah alana well, says could she could could we be sure and put her on the list for the red heifer <laughs> i was trying to be so subtle but i turned off my my video on my computer but i guess bringing it down to the room it came and down i, I turned around oh this is very personal <laughs> but yeah things i have to get done yeah yeah cameron where are you gonna <laughs> i know i need to do stuff like that i've just been taking it easy Cameron, where are you going to put the list? Are you going to give it to us next week or email it out? On yeah, it's going to take me a while to put it together. But um, yeah, next week when we when we meet or whatever, I'll have a better answer for you. <laughs> okay, sounds good. Well, don't wait too long. If you find out the red heifer, forward that to me so I can start studying. Because mm -hmm. my family all went to test drive test Tesla's today. And I said, no, I don't want to go. They're like, we can wait for you. I'm like, no, I got a project I can work on. <laughs> I'm doing my women's studies course. <laughs> I think they're going to sacrifice the red heifer Easter. That's only like a I'm month planning away. on it. Yeah. What does that mean? It's so significant. It just feels. I think everything's going to go crazy right yeah. soon. <laughs> I know. Like, like in the scheme of Heavenly Father's things, what does that mean? Because it's a big deal. I know. Yes. This will happen fast. I don't know. What do I know? <laughs> well. I don't know. I know there's, I have to keep my eye on the mark because there's scary times ahead and I can't look at that. My husband, that's all he looks at is the scary times. And I'm like, I can't look at that. I know it's going to be hard, but I'm keeping my eye on Zion. I'm keeping my eye on the mark. 
I'm keeping my eye on watching the Savior descend. So, And don't you think it helps to have have a network like this where we have people mm-hmm. in places that that we that we are like-minded and that we can share with i mean it might be that we won't even have contact but there'll be people that we've associated with somewhere around us that will feed us you know help mm-hmm. keep us going well and that's i that's why last year i was so sad when i couldn't be on most saturdays and i tried to get on when i could but yeah it's nice knowing that there's that you're not alone like i have these thoughts and I don't like to share them a lot with people, but I know that you guys are like a safe place to share them and that we're more like-minded. So maybe not in everything, but we are like-minded and think that way. And mm-hmm. when I try to share stuff with my husband, he just says, I think too deeply. And I'm like, oh, I don't think I think deeply enough. <laughs> I say, I think, There's so much more in there. <laughs> I think we can't share it with just everybody because Mm-mm. we can't, I don't share it with my husband he yeah he's still on faith is knowing the sun will rise (laughs) well i know and that's what my husband says i'm still working on faith and finally one day i said to him the thing about faith is you have to move forward that's faith (laughs) you can't just how much do you study about faith and you don't act on it like it's acting in faith move forward forget faith (laughs) yeah so anyway well thank you guys Thank you for your, for your input. That's really going to be helpful and your words of suggestion. And then also the validation that, okay, I'm not just being weird thinking these things. And so anyway, awesome. Have a great week. Awesome. Thank you guys. You guys too. Bye. Cameron. Thank you. Yep. Yeah. Bye. Thank you.